How many Unitarian Universalists does it take to change a light bulb? None. You use aren't afraid of the dark. The fact is that the introverts among us may be far more at home there than in the spotlight. That is, of course, as long as the dark is not being kept in the dark, right? Um, So what are we afraid of? I think Unitarian Universalists sort of pride themselves, ourselves, on themselves on being rational, reasonable, realistic, well-read, well-informed. So how do we feel about being wrong? Or blindsided? Or looking foolish in front of people that we would rather not look that way in front of. How would you feel if one morning you awoke to find out that everything you thought you knew was wrong? That'd be tremendously frightening, wouldn't it? I mean, after spending a lifetime getting to the places that we are, it would certainly at least be very disorienting. So how would you feel about having to start over to decipher or discern what's true? To navigate a totally unfamiliar landscape of reality. You'd have to touch everything to see if it was solid, right? See what it felt like. Yet sometimes one new piece of information can make a world of difference in what is true or what is understood to be true. And I think that reaches a lot farther than we might be comfortable considering it. The lookout on a battleship spies a light ahead off in the distance off the starboard bow, and the captain tells him to signal the other vessel. Advise you change course 20 degrees immediately. The answer comes back. Advise you change course 20 degrees immediately. The captain is furious. He signals, I am a captain. We are on a collision course. Alter your course 20 degrees now. The answer comes back. I am a seaman second class. And I strongly urge you to alter your course 20 degrees. Well, now the captain is utterly beside himself with rage. He signals, I'm a battleship. And the answer comes back, I'm a lighthouse. (laughs) 
We need to be careful not to put too much stock in thinking we have the answers all figured out. That what we know will remain true. And the the conclusions that we have drawn along points in our lives, they may need to be reevaluated from time to time. Or at least the possibility acknowledged that the information upon which they were based might not have been complete. Life goes on. We're in constant discovery. We make conclusions and, and make these frameworks within we become within which we become comfortable right but as long as we are not constantly checking all we're doing is boxing ourselves in if we dare to open those closed books we may find in the fresh air some very surprising matters of substance. There are new spins on old subjects that are giving me me pause that I find rather interesting. This spiritual journey of ours, no matter who we are, is not over. And the closer we get, the more we notice that everything we know is wrong. Kind of like Paul Simon's slip sliding away. I seem to be stuck in the 70s today. Um, Got to check that box at the door next time. Um, Maybe we're afraid of losing what we have. Our sense of self, whatever we've accumulated along the way, identity, family, friends, security, safety, a place to belong or fit in. Maybe we're afraid something will happen to those that we care about. We guard all of these things carefully, don't we? This story comes from uh, someone I quoted earlier, an Episcopal minister named Cynthia Borgalt. She wrote about an Anglican priest who was at the forefront of the civil rights movement in Philadelphia, a tireless champion of racial equality. Yet he slept with a baseball bat next to his bed in his West Philadelphia house so that none of them, whoever they might be, would come in and steal his goods. I would have to guess that we all live a little bit of that sort of terrible, heartbreaking hypocrisy. There is always a gap between what we believe to be most noble and what we can actually live into or live out, isn't there? While admitting that there is a gap there is a start, 
pretending that it isn't there or trying to ignore it or just go on as though it doesn't matter carries us farther into denial of its existence and farther away from that which we most value. How about losing your memory or time? Are you afraid of that? Two cows were standing in a field. One turned to the other one and said, So what do you make of this whole mad cow's disease thing? The other cow said, Why do I care? I'm a helicopter. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but with... (laughs) With some frequency, I have grounds to wonder about my mind. I have decided that when people bring up subjects now that, that I really don't want to get buried in, I'm going to say, what do I care? I'm a helicopter. But, but my capacity for recall is clearly in a state of flux. And while I've been told that this is not unusual for someone my age, it doesn't make it that settling. I mean, it doesn't make you feel that much better about it. I'm... I, Still, as some aspects of my faculties seem to be dulling, others appear to maybe be sharpening. In a book of daily readings centered on the Tao Te Ching, I came across this reading. It begins with a a quote from the Tao. um, When you drink the water, remember the source. If your spiritual understanding is sound, then you will constantly be aware of the subtleties of life. If you fritter away your concentration on minor entertainment and trivial distractions, then you will never attain a profound level of awareness. as I find myself wanting to focus some and spend my concentration on different things than I once did, that reading gives me hope. That reading gives me comfort. Maybe awareness of the subtleties will continue to grow as the broader nets develop holes. Maybe in some ways awareness will expand in contrast to other aspects of formal, former, point in fact, mental acuity. (laughs) Have you stopped searching? Have you started to kind of let it go, either out of frustration or weariness or as the result of conclusions that you've drawn before?
we go about finding what we have stopped questioning. I think we begin by asking, what do we assume that we know about? What do you fear most? And what costumes do we don to cover it up? Well, here are the punchlines, I think, to the possibility that the joke is on us. All of us are wrong sometimes. All of us have to contend with the effects of living in a material world. All of us will, at some point, lose what we have. Even if it only happens as we pass from this life. The loss will happen. Many of those we work hardest to protect and be strong for would benefit more from our honesty, openness, willingness, and vulnerability than they do from whatever stoic strength or facade of control we wear around. All of those things we most fear and resist permeate our lives to the same degree that we feed that fear. The more we try to control them, the more they control, the more control they have over us. The prize, the payoff, the treasure that is worth most comes after the release of those imaginary rains. Nothing can be given you in your hands if your hands are full. We can't accept anything new if we're already full. For most of us, there's a lot of room to be had that could be filled with peace and joy, understanding, compassion. Plenty of room if we just threw away some of the attic clutter of our favorite fears and boxes. Assumptions. Self-delusions. So why do we struggle so hard to hang on to our limits? Those prisons that we create for ourselves. Our egos are amazing things, aren't they? 
that darkness we're so comfortable with could easily just be the shadow of these egos that dance around in front of the flames. Kind of like Plato's cave, I guess. We can fill our lives up with what we fight, focusing on the negative energy, which is a way of destruction. Or we can fill our lives up with what is positive and that which comes from deeper, creative, productive living. The latter is almost always a more successful long-term strategy. Yesterday I was out at Valencia Park um, for an Eat Well, Live Local event, and I was talking with Larry Andros. Um, this, this was a nice event. It, they were teaching young people how to plant gardens, and they were showing them how to slow cook what they grow in their gardens. There were bees uh, behind glass <laughs> that you could see the inside of the hive and what they were doing and stuff like that. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, there was another Eat Well, Live Local event that was at Bipsy, uh, Bossier Paris Community College, that was sponsored by both of the mayors. A real nice brunch um, made predominantly with local food. But when I was talking to Larry Andros, who is a part of this organization and whose partner is really the ramrod, he said they began their effort with a budget of 48 cents. They're interconnected with a whole lot of efforts around town. The community gardens, right? um, teaching, gardening, and, and how to eat to be healthy in all sorts of circumstances. And both mayors and cities are endeavoring to support this effort. It's only a couple of years old. 48 cents to support from the city. I think that's impressive. At the buffet, the, the brunch, there were awards given and presentations made and recognitions of programs that will be ongoing. But it's a creative process. It's starting with something that doesn't exist yet. I was speaking with some of our guests this morning about a program that the Unitarians don't have that the Methodists do. It starts, you find a need, you start small, and you create. What's there to be afraid of in that? If you start small and it doesn't work, what have you lost? There's so much we can do. There's so much that you already are. 
That light is something real. Don't hide it from the world because you doubt its value or doubt your own value. Don't cover its pure song of truth with the white noise of evasion. That light is not based on your education. It's not based on your position. It's not based on your connections, your family, your background, how smart you are. It's not contingent on whether or not you've made mistakes in your life because we all have. And we all will continue to. I don't encourage you to work hard at that. (laughs) But that beautiful, warm perfection is there waiting to be let out of the confinement that our fear locks it into. And we can't do anything about that unless we recognize where our fears sit. There's a quote that I like that comes from a woman who some of you may dismiss outright um, for one reason or another. She's closely affiliated with what is sometimes called New Thought Spirituality, a teacher in the Unity Church, and associated with The Course in Miracles. Her name is Marianne Williamson. Uh, You may recognize her name. Whatever you make of her, I hope you will be willing to entertain what truth comes in this quote. And I invite you to translate any uncomfortable words or ideas into terms that you can welcome. She says, Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, Who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. End quote. Even now, there is more for you, 
more of you. More deep peace, more freedom, more wonder and fullness than you or I have ever known. Reach a little bit higher. Let the light become a fire. Stretch your soul. It's not a joke. 